Hit it. Hey, how you doing? Hey, where you been? Three girls talking about a lot of love and sin. And there's someone sitting next to us. Who that freaking man? It's ooh, oh, oh. It's Keith. <laughs> Guys, welcome to another episode of Three Girls, One Keith. Yes. Are you excited? Yes. 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 Oh, good. Okay. Um, I'm so excited for this episode. We're going to talk about, and this is major, we're going to talk about ego and criticism. Oh. Are you ready? My ego can't stand criticism. Yes, I know. (laughs) We all have a tough time with it, so that's why we want to get into it. What are your goals for this episode? Uh, stay sharp, stay focused, stay uh, interested in what Keith is saying at all times. Okay, <laughs> we want to set realistic goals, okay? Realistic goals. Um, Keith, your goal? Well, my goal is um, hit it out the park again. Again? So far, again. How, oh. many, how many podcasts we do? It's like a home run each time. No, no. Like, no. What? Home run? I, triple doubles, matter of fact. I got a triple double each uh, podcast. Okay. Triple okay. double. Okay. So you want another triple double. <laughs> another triple double. Rach, what's your goal for this episode? I'm just trying to be an around the way bitch today. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Yes. I love that. Every day, Rach. You're a ride or die. I'm going to try to get out of my own way. Okay. You know, take my own advice, get out of my own way. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Ego. Yeah. Ego. Has your ego gotten in your way where you can remember? Yeah, I don't know if this is my ego, but it, it got me good. I would go to a to shop at a men's store, and I noticed the girls just staring at me. I'm like, oh, she wants me. And uh, she's looking at me, looking at me, I'm looking at her. I'm like, oh, this is going to happen. And she comes to me and said, look, put the item back. And I won't call the cops. Um, she thought I was stealing. <gasps> oh my god! So she didn't want. <laughs> that's just racism. That's yeah, that's ego. like straight up. Yeah, that's just. <laughs> Wait, we no. don't. We don't know if he was stealing or not. That's fair. I absolutely was stealing. No, it was a black girl actually. Yeah. Is it? You know, but she was looking. I'm looking, and I'm like, yeah, look at this. Yeah. This is gonna happen. She sees something she likes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy, baby. Enjoy. Right. Take it in. But then. <laughs> but then she thought she accused you of stealing something. Yes. Were, and you were not stealing something. No. I don't know what it did was. Did that hurt your ego? Yes, it did. So I'm how like, did you react? <laughs> what did you do? I'm after? like, bitch. <laughs> did you say bitch? Yes. Yeah. You said bitch what? I said yes, bitch. Yes, bitch. <laughs> I am stealing, bitch. Oh, <laughs> That's the whole ego thing. Well, we have to have a little bit of an ego to even go on that stage in front of people sure. to make them laugh. We have to have it's something inside of us to go that we're okay. trying to prove. Yeah, absolutely. But your ego, I feel like, is all about just that. It's like that burning thing inside that mm. you can get hurt and and it triggers like this little kid part of you and what was all that shit about super ego do you remember that super ego stuff so you mean like the is that freud like super ego and the id I don't know, kevin can you look that up can kevin you... can we get you off philly.com for one second <laughs> he's you to read about now. a new cheesesteak <laughs> let's find out super ego is the part of a person's mind that acts as a self-critical conscience reflecting social standards learned from parents and teachers. So that Keith does not have that. No, Keith is without super <laughs> ego. 
Super ego. Keith, do you ever like picture yourself like when you're masturbating? Are you like picturing yourself making love to somebody? Or are you are you watching two other people do it? Oh yeah, is it you you're picturing? Yeah. Is the question. That's a good question. No, uh, I, you no. don't have to do that with your hands. Because <laughs> oh I'm God. trying to think. God. I, I like that it. was so disturbing. You guys, you're so lucky you're not in you here to, to see. Three chokes just wait, to wait, wait. Okay, so when he started like kind of mimicking jerking off, it was like kind of a little short stroke, and then once he knew we were paying attention, he made the like real wide gestures like his dick is endless. I saw that, okay? And we know the truth, so don't worry. Uh, baby, uh, I did baby see you lengthen your dick as well, and it was very disgusting. Uh-huh. That was not cool. Not cool one bit. Why is Keith a bad person? Oh, what you gonna do this time? Welcome to Why, why Keith is a Bad Person. I'm gonna okay. defend myself Okay, on this you one. defend yourself, but... And I'm going to defend you, too, actually. But I do think you're a bad person. So last night we were at the Comedy Cellar. And to be fair, my outfit was atrocious. <laughs> it was horrible. It Walk was horrible. us through it. Okay. So I wore that shirt. Like, my friend Antonio, who works at Quality Meats, he brought us some <laughs> shirts right of there. the guys who work in the kitchen. It's like a button-down blue thing. It almost looks like a Dickies thing. Yeah, all right. Okay? And then, like, these kind of warm-up pants with, like, lines down the side. Oh. And some kind of, like, felt sneakers, okay? (laughs) And I looked horrendous. And, uh... Keith didn't really notice at first. You know, I was sitting in the booth and he just, <laughs> he was kind of not focused on it. And then Jim Norton walked in and he was wearing a Guns N' Roses t-shirt and jeans. And I just like wanted to make fun of his outfit. And I said to Keith, I hate that I can't make fun of Jimmy's outfit because I'm dressed so bad. <laughs> and Keith lit up like a Christmas tree. He got that little twinkle in his eyes. His eyelashes curled a little more. He said, Jimmy, come here. Look at, you know, and they just, they took what me right to What do you right think of Amy's pants? Oh. <laughs> just was- I got he a has real beating. About five straight ones. <laughs> oh yeah, I got some. I, I got some things that I can't even say on this podcast because people will be so offended. But they really, they really took me, took me to town. Um, and oh, it was good. great to go right to go right on stage after getting that berated. Oh, no. um, but I knew it's my fault. I set myself up for that. Like anytime I want to take a sassy risk, I have to imagine what Keith's gonna say when I get to the comedy cellar because I'll look at myself like you can pull this off, girl. I wore these low boots, and you were like, "Hey, Robin Hood men in tights," and I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> yeah, these random insults where it's you're so just specific. like, "What?" But that's good though. That's it's nice though, yeah, Kevin. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you, you make people feel welcome that way, that's, it's yeah. like a welcome you. It's really endearing. <laughs> a welcome to the world. The most I've ever, I think my name's ever been on Twitter is when I wore a pair of pants to the cellar that I. <laughs> I looked at myself and I'm like, why not? Yes, you can. And then I got, I, it. I got there and you and Jim Norton tweeted back and forth about my pants. So people were making memes about the pants. <laughs> people were comparing them with Edward Scissorhands, which was very Cold-blooded. Uh, very painful. That's horrible, you know, but that's fun. You know what I'm saying, Bridget? It's yeah, fun. Keith. That's what I'm saying. It's fun to make other people I'm hurt. I'm date Bridget in uh, 2019. You leave Bridget the <laughs> hell alone. I'm going for it. I'm going to need more than 250 pumps. I'm telling you that right now. Whoa. All right. I think as comedians, you get criticism at first when you're unknown. You just get it from your friends or your family, who it actually is the most hurtful from, you know, because we're on the road, you're doing local radio, and they'll just... Be super reductive about you. So, Rachel, you're a female comic. What do you talk about your period? You know, like they they'll yeah. just sort of minimize what you're doing, and just, and you're like, Ugh, whatever. It's a stranger. But then, like when your friends are coming to see you, 
and they say something like, I, you already did that joke before. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's, it's not always, it's not new every time. Like we work on our acts, you know, that's a misconception. Um, I slept with this guy in the nineties for like five years. And, um, I finally brought him to a show. Cause I was just like a person I'm like sleeping with. I, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for them to see me sitting on somebody else's face, but, sure. but he came and afterwards he's like, wow, you're, you're so funny on stage. Why aren't you funny like that in real life? And you're like, no, <laughs> let me just quickly grab the knife. You just put yeah. in my stomach. But the worst is, is like when you're I like, would go, I don't feel comfortable around you motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. When I would go home, like maybe 10 years ago and like, I'd be home visiting my family and somebody would introduce me there they'd be like oh yeah it's Bridget she's in New York you know she's waiting tables but you know she's trying to sing and at the time I'm like being written about as like a you know like a the greatest well like you know something some nice right, things but yeah. your family just brings you right down to your knees and you're like oh my god I really am just a waitress <laughs> uh, right I, I try to if I do a show at a college I try to say a couple things to the students that I wish I'd heard then when one is like most of you will get the human papilloma virus and that's okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody gets it and hopefully you get vaccinated, but you're probably going to get it. And that doesn't mean your life is over and you're like a whore. And then I also tell them you cannot make your parents proud of you. So get that right out of your head because they, they won't ever really understand what it is that you're doing, you know? So, because it's like, if you, Especially if you're not doing something you can clock, like I made partner or whatever. If like right. if you're like playing in clubs yeah, and you're doing partner. whatever, and that's like, even more difficult you know. though because they go, "Oh, you're you're a partner in how big of a law firm?" Yeah. When I started in comedy, they're like, "When are you going to be on Saturday Night Live? When are you going to be a cast member?" And you're like, "Well, when are you going to be operating at the top of your industry?" Yeah. You know. <laughs> we are all such critics of our own stuff. We're fighting so hard to like be better comics and do a good job and succeed. That if it becomes too much about what other comics think or what your parents think or other people, it's True. like you really have to be doing what you're proud of. You're proud of, but we, like me, Norton, Patrice, Rich Voss, uh, Colin, I guess we had something called Hack Court. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you had, you know, put your jokes on trial. Yeah. And whatever joke it was, he put it on trial, if it, and we can, you know, the jury deliberates. We sentence you to the hack. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, I but it helped that, yeah. you check really it, you know? check yeah. it a little bit and <laughs> write a little bit more. I yeah. think we all have like whatever our act is at the time. There, if it's like a long headlining set, there's usually one or two just lines that you're like, I'm not proud of this, but it gets a big laugh with audiences. But other comedians know this is like sort of a tool. Like I remember in a set I had, it was kind of like if you know one of your friends, I don't know what it was, but it was like one of your friends is like this, and if you don't have that friend you are that friend. And it was like, yay. You know? <laughs> and, yes. and it was kind of like that works. And, and the rhythm of that, like audiences, some comedians, you learn like just the rhythm and you can sort of fake that you're killing with the rhythm. You can go. So true. And blah, 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 blah. And they're right. like, they just learn like, oh, and now I laugh. Like it's like, we Pavlovian. all have that one easy layup that we're actively disgusted. If yeah. a real comic comes in the room and we're in, like, we're mid killing with some of our own personal horse shit. Yeah. You just start <laughs> oh, that, there's no worse feeling. And there's just times where I'm like, I destroyed and then I'll watch a tape of myself and I'm like for the love of God please <laughs> take a break yeah. when we were doing the oddball comedy festival yeah. Amy was headlining Aziz and and everybody there was so many it was like, this big summer festival yeah. that we were on the road and I started closing like the first half and I was getting like 
finally like I was getting like super confident because it's like oh yeah. my god I'm like part well, of like well they tried how- to have you go earlier and yeah. they, nobody could follow you I started to sort of like believe it you know like about five shows in I like my ego so I was like okay like I, I belong here you know yeah. I'm, a, I'm fucking I'm killing it whatever you're like they and need to start constructing my theater in yes, Vegas exactly <laughs> and as soon as I went out like with that like just jumbo ego I fucking took such a big shit that night in front yeah. of like 15,000 people <laughs> that just brings you to your knees but Oof. I like to sort of keep my ego out of it because whenever it comes in then i'm i, I just i can't kill That's the cycle, i can't help though. it though it's i can't cycle. help it there i my ego in it it always I happens i'm like i'm on a roll i gotta do it here they, here i come that's Look the out. cycle we have this kind of bipolar career the highs are very high the lows are very low and sometimes all within one night you know it's a very manic cycle we put our yeah. minds and yeah. psyches through i sometimes wonder what would i even be like if i hadn't done this to my psyche at such an early age but you know it's, <laughs> it's a same- physical yeah experience <laughs> we all need to always be working on chilling out our egos it's also not good for anyone that that energy you get that bad feeling that triggers stuff it's like so toxic and that what you hear isn't necessarily what was said which like your friends will always remind you right such a different experience yeah like when somebody says ma'am ma'am to me i get so i hear cunt cunt like i'd rather (laughs) hear cunt than ma'am you know, and then I'm like, that's obviously maybe I'm insane, but right. Well, they grew up in the south, ma'am, because yeah. ma'am sounds old. Right. Yeah. I like when people call me, excuse me, little baby princess girl. <laughs> and I go, yeah, yeah me, yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> Do you want to pound it, or do you want to pass? Pass. Do you want to pound it, or do you want to pass? Pound it. Let's do a pound it or pass. I have one, but mine really haven't. They Go haven't. Ahead. They give haven't it, been a hit. A but let's let's hear. Give We're always shot. giving you the benefit this of the doubt. This might not be much better, but okay. Tom Hardy. Oh, come on. Too easy. Too easy. We all want to pound it forever. Oh, okay. All right. You're right. That was like over poundable. Okay. Yeah. We're all pounding. <laughs> all right. That. Never mind. You know what? I'm not good at this segment and I shouldn't be leading it. So no, else... at least we uh, knew the person. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to criticize you. <laughs> what about Simon Cowell? Simon Cowell, pound it or pass? I'm going to pass. Oh. Yeah. Because he's somebody that I, I feel like isn't always that nice. And yeah. I, I like to. I like to um, pound it, pound hot, sweet people. I guess I would pound it because I feel like he would tell me the truth afterwards, and I feel like the truth would be good. Mm. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Can you um, pound Simon? Uh, I may. I probably. You know, because he infuriates me. Yeah. I'm gonna pound him. Oh, <laughs> Nice. Uh, pound that a dumb nice accent right in his stupid face. Okay, oh, Kevin brought yeah. up a picture of Simon. Oh, wow. no sunscreen. Robust chest. Ay, ay, Because he always wears the t-shirts and he's always got the nips going. He's proud of that chest. He has a hearty nipple. No, nah, he's got a, like a 1950s uh, body. And that's what does it for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like somebody that looks like they, they they'd be good at sports, but they don't go to the gym. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if they had the option, like if they wanted to, they could be good at sports, yeah. but they don't. Oh, yeah, I like it. I know, I know exactly what you mean. I like a body too that looks like it could be kicked right into shape, but yeah, <laughs> but they've chosen not to. <laughs> but if you give it a shove, it'll get there. Uh, and then, and like, like when you're, and when you're having sex with them, they just are like so 
happy to be in the game, but they're like sweating and about to pass out. Yeah, so they're just, sweating all over you. Like and that. so much of it That's is fun. genetics. Like Keith has, and I'll give it to you, he has the most beautiful natural uh, tits in this business. Just <laughs> full, healthy. Can you believe Rachel's body shaming you after all the she kind words you've given she her over the really years? body shaming me. Wait, Rachel. You pay a lot of money for a rack like yours. <laughs> Are you pounding it or passing Simon? <laughs> Sorry. You gotta stay on topic. She passed on to me. I derailed. I usually fall apart right around this time of day. I'm trying to move the combo. I'm going to say, he just hasn't found that perfect bra for him yet. God, <laughs> come on, man. What? I'll take uh, you shopping because I'm hard to fit too. We can support key. each other. Oh, you Jesus, need to measure really tape. <laughs> This is, how's, this is your, is how's your ego? Is your ego in check right now? Yeah, I don't give a damn. Yeah, like, I knew it. You can you tuck like a chapstick and stuff under there? Or is it just... Is it yeah, like, what kind God. of... What about Jesus a cell phone? Christ. She said, oh. Listen, we're, we've chosen to body shame our friends. <laughs> Rachel, you pounding Simon? Yeah, I'll pound him. Okay, yeah. very nice. Well, I'm very excited. We have a special guest today. Please introduce yourself, sir. My name is Ben Yakis, and I am the arts and culture editor of Gothamist. Ben and I met, we spoke, he wrote an article for the Gothamist on kind of summing up this this season of Saturday Night Live, and I read it, and I reached out to him, and I wanted to talk to him about criticism as a whole and our own personal bias, and we had an interesting conversation about it, so I said, hey, why don't you come on the podcast, and here he is. Thank you very much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. This is really fun being in the semicircle. Can you talk a little bit about your experience, your resume? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've worked at Gothamist for coming up on nine years this fall. In terms of comedy, I've been on the SNL beat since about 2011. And that's because I was the weekend editor for many years. So I would always need content on Sundays. What's like the thing everyone wants to talk about Sunday morning? Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. Sure. Unless they're going to brunch or something, mm -hmm. but I didn't get to do that for six years. Oh, poor you. Yeah. That um, sucks. <laughs> Keith, you love brunch. Uh, yes, I do. I love a good brunch. Anyway, so you and I were talking the other day. Um, you had written a really thoughtful, I thought, review, kind of breaking down the year of SNL, kind of highlights and and lowlights. No, this was this was just, I mean... Just highlights. The beginning of the piece was a little bit of an overall critique of the season. Yeah. It's something I've been doing for the last couple of years, especially because people people don't necessarily want to go back and watch every single sketch, but sure. they want to watch the best 20 sketches right. of the season. So it sparked a conversation between you and I, because something I noticed in that piece was that your favorite hosts, I noticed they were all men and they were all around what I could see was your age. And it was interesting to me because... I notice for myself when someone says, what are your favorite TV shows? And my answer in these past couple of years would be the show Girls, the show Fleabag. I liked The Fall. I like Top of the Lake, Handmaid's Tale. So the majority of the shows that I'm and the material that I'm attracted to is women. And it is mostly white women, not entirely, but but mostly. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I've noticed that most critics are white men. And that's not your fault. <laughs> and that's, but that's I mean, how it's it was, been. That would be, <laughs> that would be right? amazing, right? <laughs> I mean, the guy conspiracy. who made, right. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these issues that we're talking about uh, have a lot to do with unconscious bias. And this was sort of what we were getting into the other day. We all have unconscious bias. And the best thing that we can all do in terms of trying to identify and sort of minimize that is by talking about it. So I think conversations like this, one of the reasons I was, you know, up for doing this is anytime you have a chance to interrogate your own biases and your own beliefs, 
you should take that chance even when Agreed. it's uncomfortable regardless. Right. And it seems as though it's something we are both doing at the moment. Yeah. And it's like it's happening in general with culture uh, around the country, which is a really... Hopefully, right? I suppose hopefully, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> to take your ego out of it, to mm-hmm. take your instinct to defend yourself out right. of it, which is tough. And even if that's your first instinct, then take a step back and go, okay, well, actually, what can I learn from this? But how do you deal with that? You know, like that idea of, of, of that bias. Since we talked yesterday, I've been trying to think about this so that I could like articulate it better. Yeah. Because there's so many weird, heady concepts that are really hard to like boil down to one or two things. But I was thinking about what is the difference between like my personal taste and my critical taste? Okay. Oh, and those I, are two different things. I think it is a little bit. Okay. And I think the difference has a lot to do with when it comes to my critical tastes, I need to consume. I feel like my job is to consume as much media as possible, to read as much, to watch as much, right. to talk as much. And in doing so, I have a wider perspective of what kind of material is out there, what is you know resonating with people who don't necessarily look or think like me. Sure. I got a question. Oh, okay. I, have to, I have to ask this question. So when you try to... And just include, so you know, none of us respect Keith. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> just so you have a little background. Well, so when you try to include everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make you accept some stuff that you really don't want to accept? Almost hmm. stuff that's maybe not that good. Like, like As, what? What do you mean, Keith? Like, uh, well, you see, you know, like, say you see a TV show that's it's black, mm-hmm. but you're like, well, this is a black show. I gotta, do I have to accept that black show because it's black or because it's good? You know, right? Because mm-hmm. there's such a cultural difference between, right? Like, you know, saying definitively something's good or something's funny, and I feel like in, for comedy that's really difficult because. Uh, and sorry, I interrupted you, and we will go back to it. But my learning disabilities, I just want to get it out. Um, <laughs> you know, there there are some comedians that kill. They fill the garden, and people are crying, laughing. No, no, you fill a garden at your <laughs> at your home, okay? Right, right. Um, but they killed. And, and I can be sitting there and they don't do it for me. And I don't even crack a smile. They're not my thing. But I can't say they're bad or they're not funny because, you know, there's the thing Chris Rock said to me, which was respect the kill. But then Wanda Sykes said, sometimes you just can't. But I wouldn't, <laughs> but I wouldn't say. Who's right? But, it, you know, in terms of a comedian, like, that seems like a tough thing to navigate as a critic. Can, can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, and I... And I think it ties into what you were saying. You took you I took, took it. it a long way. I took you, a long you walked, way. You walked around That's the garden. True. But, but then I, the yeah. I think that the job of the critic is not necessarily to say this is good and this is bad. It's to say, why did this move me? Why do I think that this particular comedian is so good at what they do? Why do they speak to people? And why should you give them a chance? As opposed to saying... This is objectively good and objectively bad. We all have different tastes in comedy. And in comedy in particular, I think this is like the toughest realm to enter into this. Like writing objectively when Mm -hmm. it's your opinion. Now, let's say I was writing about Kevin Hart and I said, I would want to put a disclaimer like Kevin Hart's maybe has not been my favorite comic. Watch it. But, <laughs> but when he was on SNL a couple months ago, I actually, you know, I really loved him. Right. Like from the perspective, and that adds context. Yeah. And I think context is always good. Right. But you don't want to like muddy it too much. I remember um, me, Patrice, O'Neill, 
rest in peace, whatever. I guess you're supposed to say that. Don't, it, it ruins whatever. it if you say whatever after. It's, <laughs> no, it takes a little bit of sentiment you know. out of it. But we want to see Soul playing with Kev. Everybody's in the audience. Fat Joe. Everybody's oh, there. Oh, nice. Was it a premiere? Yeah, premiere. Okay. And uh, it was going on and going on. And the movie's quiet. People are laughing. But the movie came to a silence. And Patrice said, this movie stinks. Oh, right. God. <laughs> Patrice. Boy, at the premiere? Oh, oh absolutely. Damn. It was so funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's the best. He's the best. And <laughs> hey, Kev had to grow it. I agree. <laughs> you know, but it was, you know, it's like, so that's as honest as it comes right that's there. The, but that's the thing. It's like... So something like that. So say Patrice was a critic and he said that. It's like <laughs> there's so many people who would who love Soul Plane, who would love that movie, even though he was joking. But it's like, but what if your thing prevents them from seeing something that they might have really liked, you know? Mm -hmm. And and now I am fully projecting on the criticism of I Feel Pretty, the movie I had come out this year, where it was critically people were like, no, a lot of people reviewed it who didn't even see it, and they would cop to that. They're on Fox News, they'd be like, "We, I didn't see it," but and wrote a review. But the people I I know who have gone to see it, like it's had such a nice reception, and and that's when I I realized, you know, this movie isn't for everybody. I I made it really to make women feel better, um, but it was so many male critics who were doing the job. So that sort of intersectionality is what like makes every conversation and every art and medium better. Yeah. The criticism about it was, it was kind of brutal. And comedies get reviewed brutally. I don't know. I mean, especially comedies versus drama. People Most write about comedies. Definitely. Yeah, they, they write about comedies like they're furious, you know. Mm -hmm. As a comic, I feel like when I read reviews, it, it gets frustrating because sometimes people don't understand the irony of a joke or a statement. And like you were saying, they project onto it. And people also go into movies and comedies and listening to jokes and comedy shows kind of ready with whatever they whatever their pain or hurt from the day is. You might tell a joke and it reminds them of that rather than just taking that quick beat to figure out what are they really making fun of here? Mm -hmm. It's tricky with comedy. How I everybody think. experiences it differently. Yeah. Talking about I feel pretty and then just open up to all of you with criticism you've received in your careers, how much does that then alter how you pick your next project or perhaps how you do, you know, like how you write your next stand-ups? Right. We were, you know, so. we were talking about that the other day also just in, also in becoming a famous person, like that can't not affect you if you want to stay in the business. So even like for me, reading some criticism of like an early hour special of mine, somebody was saying, she says the word like too much um, and also, um, and, uh, and she tags her jokes too much. So, you know, and tagging a joke is just like, you say the main joke and then you have another line and that's a tag that you just have kind of another button on it. And we talked about that. It's like with a baby, like if a baby, you make it laugh and you keep doing the same thing to make it laugh over and over. And then you, you do it to a point where the baby stops laughing and starts crying and then if you keep doing it, then the baby goes kind of numb and just stares off. And I feel like it's the same with an audience. Like you have a certain amount of time. It's like, oh, you're laughing at this. Let me tag it more. And if you're making fun of an audience member, something more, more, more. And then you get to a point where you're killing the most and then you can lose them. Like if you do it too long, you know. And so I learned that from from criticism. I I still say like and I'm um all the time. I was kind of, you know, so you take what you want and then send the rest back to the kitchen. Have you learned anything from a critic, guys? Yeah, I feel like... Um 
I did a show at the public theater called Rock Bottom and like somebody wrote this, uh, you know, I wasn't really reading any of it, but the guy, one of the guys that I wrote the music with did. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just read some of it. And then like, you know, they pointed out something that I thought was valid. I, uh, I think it's worth listening to, you know, I think that, um, if you shut out everybody's voices, but your own, you're never going to grow. And it's just like when you're performing for an audience and if they're not laughing and feeling you, it's like a conversation and you don't want to put people to sleep. Like I always put Keith to sleep on this podcast. No, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm up all the time now. I'm good. Um, did we give you the opportunity to answer questions? Because, you know, we're not good at this. And uh, <laughs> This was very fun. We just yeah, talk at okay, each other cool. a lot. That was good. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for trusting me. You never know what you're walking into, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Rose and the Thorn. It's time for best and worst moments of the episode. What did you think? Well, my Thorn is definitely uh, Bridget. No. <gasps> No, I'm a combo this all to, to all three of <laughs> you. All three of us. All three you yeah. talking about my... Tits? Pecs. <laughs> yeah. My pecs, and I'm going to call them tits. And I think tits you have pecs. pecs. I've never noticed your breasts, but I'll be looking. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your rose? What was your best moment? Uh, my rose... <laughs> my rose uh, is Rachel... Bombing. Oh, God. What that a bad friend. <laughs> no. <Terrible. laughs> that one... That one uh, a pound of the pass, it, it just stunk. Yeah. <laughs> it did stink. Who, the Tom, Tom Hardy? Hardy? Tom Hardy yeah. just was That's horrible. Fair. You're right. I, I always <laughs> bomb in that segment. All right. What was your rose in your third bridge? Um, well, my rose is when Keith said that he wanted me to be his girlfriend in 2019. Oh, yeah. um, that was cute. But my thorn was finding out that he had tits just as <laughs> spectacular as mine. <laughs> this is true. You guys could both work in Hooters. Um, not fair, not fair. Like, who sleeps in whose bosom, you know? Yeah. Real toss-up. I think that kind of equality is probably good. Rage? Um, I'd have to say uh, my thorn was me making an attempt at pounded or pass because I, I know myself. It's Look, it's not my category. Okay, okay. <laughs> I shouldn't be leading the charge. But you're open evolution. You're, you're getting out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, my rose was seeing, seeing my best friends. I don't know. I was really psyched to come in and, and see you guys today. So that's my rose, just like physically getting to see you. And my thorn is Keith trying to look up my skirt. I think that's probably my thorn. Um, But it is, you know. Okay, so did we achieve our goals today? I did. I wanted to get out of my own way, and I never got in my own way in a way. Well, once again, I hit a triple double. Very good. That was very good. Rach, were you an around the way girl? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And and Bridge, you had a serious. You have some serious goals. Yeah, I think I did it though. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but I think I did it. I feel good, and that feels like what I'd want to do. So if I didn't do that, then that's what I wanted to do, and now I did it. Okay. (laughs) Good. Well, that's it for this episode. Um, I mean, you know, the triple double that I had, despite all all that. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Three Girls, One Keith. Stay strong. Talk soon. 
you know that if you listen to Three Girls, One Keith on Spotify free and premium, you get the extra special, extra hilarious extended cut of all our episodes. So next time you have a burning desire for Three Girls, One Keith, head over to Spotify free or premium for the extra special version. Just a quick heads up that all future seasons of Three Girls, One Keith will be available only on Spotify, free and premium. So might as well hit pause, head over to Spotify and follow Three Girls, One Keith. Hey, 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 Three Girls, One Keith. Three Girls, One Keith is a Spotify original podcast. Our executive producers are me, Amy Schumer and Kevin Kane. Our executive producers at Spotify are Natalie Tella and Robin Hawkins, along with the team at Gilded Audio Design, Andrew Chug, Whitney Donaldson and Dan Rosato. Poppy, if you could weigh in on something, anything. It would be cool if Poppy would speak up for once.